Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Well, hi. Thank you for listening to another episode of Study, Grow, Know, and this is Dr. Fred. Are you hopeful or hopeless? Well, that's the title of today's subject, and regarding that title, the answer for each person is determined based on their particular outlook and what they are uniquely focusing on. Now, if we simply look at the world and see all that is happening, it does look fairly hopeless, doesn't it? Fuel prices are unreasonably high and destined to go higher, which is affecting everything else that relies on a truck to get product and supplies and food to market. And with the latest Biden decision to cancel oil drilling in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico, we can be assured gas prices will simply continue to rise, most likely unabated. It seems clear, at least to me, that the Biden administration is determined to make life increasingly difficult for the average American, resulting in inflation at an all-time high. And we're not even talking about all the hundreds, if not thousands, of workers who are affected and put out of work based on Biden's recent decision to cancel oil drilling in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico. Now, corruption seems to be the foundation of our current government. Dinesh D'Souza's newest movie, 2000 Mules, cracks wide open the reality that the 2020 election was overtaken with fraud. He seems to slam dunk the case in many ways, but the mainstream media does what it always does and mainly ignores it. You've got some people out there trying to naysay it, negate it, etc., etc. But with the exception of a few pundits here and there trying to negate D'Souza's movie and what it claims, the mainstream media is pretty much avoiding the subject. If what D'Souza puts forth and it's wrong, well, then one would think the media would be chomping the bit to take it on and to negate it, to prove that it has no uh, resonance and facts built into it. They're not. I'd actually love them to prove D'Souza wrong. So why won't they even try? True the Vote, an organization nonprofit, plans on releasing the names of the 2,000 mules that the movie highlights. Now, if all this is true, then these people need to be arrested for voter fraud. In fact, everyone connected to it needs to be arrested. And interestingly enough, it appears that there were at least two specific Democrat safe houses used in Georgia, and one of them is connected to Stacey Abrams. Yet one can only wonder if anything's going to happen. It's kind of doubtful. There's very little hope that good will come and wrongs will be righted. Now, the left's soldiers, Antifa and BLM, continue to do what they do by creating problems through their often violent protests, uh, mainly peaceful, I guess, and little is done to stop them. In fact, they're applauded by the left and encouraged, though it's fully against the law for people to attempt to intimidate Supreme Court justices regarding the potential overturn of Roe v. Wade, or any judge for that matter, the, the left is getting away with it as the DOJ and the Biden administration appears to be encouraging the lawlessness, at the very least by not doing anything, by not enforcing the law that is being broken. But the whole idea of Roe v. Wade really should never have gone to SCOTUS, in my opinion. If, if it should have remained at the state level for each state to decide what they will do with abortion. Now, of course, the left has become apoplectic in 
warning that it'll return women to back alley illegal abortions, which really, frankly, is quite absurd. That's not going to happen. There are a number of states within the USA that will never make abortion illegal. They make money off of it. Women who want to murder their children in the womb will always have the opportunity to do so. It's modern-day Moloch worshipping is all it is. Even companies like Amazon have said they will pay their workers to go to a state that offers abortion services if Roe v. Wade is annulled. So what is all the hullabaloo about? It's just an excuse. It's just an excuse to protest and threaten. That's all it is. If the, if the conservatives did this same thing, oh, they'd be hauled off into jail. Frankly, this is another area that makes me tired with frustration. The left, pro-abortionists, pro-murderers, like to accuse conservatives of all sorts of things related to abortion that are entirely untrue. They make things up as they go, and they label us one way. And yet, for any pro-abortionists who are reading this article, I've included an image in the transcript uh, which sums up how we conservatives not only view things, but how we've been involved in the process of uh, trying to mitigate and stop abortion. But just because we do that, it does not mean, and it's proved that we do not ignore children who were born after, uh, you know, they are delivered and allowed to live their lives. Unlike what pro-abortionists believe, we don't do all we can to save lives of the unborn and then completely turn around and ignore them after they're born. That's absolute fallacy. Statements like that made by the left, they appear to hold water on the surface, but like many of their asinine ramblings, when push comes to shove, the truth is that they really carry no water at all. The left's arguments are constantly filled with holes. And when they realize it, that's when they just start calling people names and labeling them with falsehoods because they have zero facts at their disposal. It's what they're doing right now with Biden's uh, cancellation of um, drilling rights in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico. The left is saying, well, that's good because it is going to force the oil companies to stop gouging Americans. Well, that's not the reality. The reality is always based in supply and demand. And when there's a greater supply, the lower the cost, the lower the price. When there's less supply, the higher the cost, the higher the price. And they're not even talking about, they're not even willing to mention all the people who will be out of work because of the Biden administration's latest executive orders in canceling the drilling rights for Alaska, the Gulf of Mexico, etc. Those are huge contracts. Those are huge areas. And yet they're being canceled. So the left would like us to believe that Biden's doing this because he really cares about Americans and wants the oil companies to stop gouging. Really? Well, under Trump, gas in my area was $1.69 a gallon. Why? Because there was plenty of oil available. Plenty of it. It was supply in demand. So if we simply focus on all the ills of society and what's happening, it can be breathtaking. And more than that, it can leave you feeling seriously hopeless about any real justice occurring. But maybe we shouldn't focus on that. Maybe we should be focusing on something else entirely. So in spite of all that's wrong with this world and the evil that continues 
to propagate more evil. That's what it does. Evil begets evil. There is real reason, I think, to be hopeful. For instance, this past Mother's Day, my wife and I took our dog, and we also went with our daughter and son-in-law and their kids. We went to a hometown craft show the next town over from us. They have two craft shows per year, and we try to get to both of them on occasions, but sometimes we can only get to one. Well, the whole thing was an absolute breath of fresh air. We brought our dog. People loved our dog. And our dog got plenty of attention from strangers, and he loved it. It was thoroughly enjoyable to wander around and see all the vendors with everything they had to offer. We picked up homemade soap, seasonings to create our own salsa, a few t-shirts, some other things as well. Everyone was friendly and chatty. No one was standoffish. No one was, you know, doing any kind of social distancing. Many were so glad to be out and about having fun. It was very much the way things were prior to CV. I don't recall seeing one person at the show wearing the absolutely ineffective but virtue signaling mask. Those are absolutely ineffective and they've done, I don't know how many studies, at least four People like Steve Kirsch have provided information on studies done regarding masks that show they're absolutely ineffective at protecting people, and they can actually damage a person's health, if for no other reason than the lack of oxygen that a person breathes as they rebreathe their own exhaled CO2. I still see people alone in their cars with their windows rolled up and wearing masks, though. To each their own, I guess. But science should certainly be considered. The left is constantly yelling about science, science, science. There's no science behind the masks. But back to the craft show. Everything we saw and experienced was in and itself very good. We were grateful for the small town atmosphere, the friendliness of the people, but, but this isn't what gave me hope, as nice as all of this was for me and my wife and our dog, Buster, because that can change on a dime in an instant. What gave me hope was in meeting a particular woman and her husband who were manning a lemonade stand. We were there with our kids, our son, etc., his wife, daughter, it was my son's birthday, so we were treating him that day. He wanted a limeade, so I went up to the nearest stand that sold it and ordered one. I briefly talked with an older gentleman and asked him how business was doing. Oh, he was absolutely ecstatic at how well the previous day had been, and the craft show in the month of May is normally not as good as the craft show during October. But it was great. He enjoyed it. It was just wonderful. He was in good spirits, as was everybody else. And it was great to hear how many folks had come out to enjoy the craft show and to spend money. There were many families there as I took the time to look around. So before I continue this story, though, I'd like to issue a bit of a disclaimer, and it's regarding tattoos. I personally am opposed to them for myself. I understand why the Hebrew scriptures warn about having tattoos placed on the body, Leviticus 19.28. And the main reason for that is this, I believe, was due to the surrounding nations who used cuttings on their skin, on their body, and tattoos as part of their worship of idols. The idea of boiling a young goat or a kid in its mother's milk is the same general principle that likely involves some form of divination 
or some fertility rite by pagans. And you can read about that in Exodus 23, 19, 34, 26, and Deuteronomy 14, 21. Now, even though this is not how tattoos are used today, generally speaking, people don't put tattoos on their body to worship them or to indicate the objects of their worship. The proliferation of those tattoos throughout society, I think, causes me concern because ultimately we are told in Revelation 13 that people will be forced to receive the mark of the beast or die. The mark is likely going to be some form of very visible tattoo on the right hand or forehead. Just as tattoos are often used and seen as some form of virtue signaling today, the coming mark of the beast will be the greatest form of virtue signaling the world will ever know because it will mean the difference between life and death at that time. So the inclusion of this story that I'm about to relate is not an endorsement of tattoos. So I can see why some new Christian who came out of a life of brokenness, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, might want to somehow catalog the experience or renewal in Christ. The fact that the woman I'm going to talk about got the first part of her tattoo before she became a Christian and wanted to update it after she became a Christian is her business, and she may have done it because it opens the door to discussion and witness just like it did with me. So the young gal who poured the limeade for me was very sweet, and I immediately noticed a large tattoo on her right arm. And if you go to the transcript, I've got pictures of her tattoos that she allowed me to take. It was not your run-of-the-mill tattoo. I mean, it seemed pretty unique to me and probably had a story behind it. So I asked her, I said, hey, you know, your tattoo looks like it has a story behind it. Would you mind telling me what it's all about? Well, she smiled sweetly and was glad to reveal the mystery to me. I found out her name was Heather. Well, Heather pointed to the tree inside the tattoo. And again, if you go to the picture, you can see it. And uh, she said, and this is my paraphrase of her words, quote, when I first had this tattoo inked, it was just this dark tree that was my life at the time. It was empty. I was hooked on drugs. I drank a lot of alcohol. My life was just completely messed up. Then the Lord reached into my life and he saved me. He filled my life with color and gave me a reason to sing. And if you go and see that tattoo, you'll see the dark black tree inside on her arm. And then you'll now see it with full color with birds and everything else. So it, it's a beautiful transition. And I thought that was cool. So I listened to her and I couldn't help saying, amen. Then she turned her arm over to show me the other side of her arm. And that had three lion's heads. She then said, quote, after the Lord cleaned up my life and saved me, he gave me a wonderful husband and a beautiful child. And again, I was moved because the simplicity, the gentleness, the warmth and sincerity of Heather it came through. She really appeared to be so pleased and humbled by what the Lord had done for her with respect to her salvation and what he had saved her from. And I said, wow, th this is so cool that you carry a visual reminder of your life before and after your salvation. Some, someone comes along and simply out of curiosity asks about your tattoos and you have the perfect excuse to preach the gospel to them. And she did. I asked her if I could take pictures of both sides of her arms for the article I'd like to write about it, and she agreed. Now, in the course of our discussion, I mentioned my wife's younger brother and his wife, who are heavily into alcohol, drugs, and New Age religion. 
Heather said, her sister does not yet know the Lord either, but she is convinced she will one day. And she promised to pray for Eric and Jackie. Sorry. And uh, I would like to ask readers and listeners to do the same. Would you please pray for Eric and Jackie? So while on one hand, it's fairly easy to become discouraged with everything that's happening in life and feel hopeless about the world, it's very clear that God is definitively moving. He is working in hearts and calling people to him for eternal salvation. This world is not going to last forever. Peter tells us this world is coming to an end. Evil cannot override God's will. This is really what it's all about. It's not about politics. And by focusing too much on that area, nothing, nothing will rob you of the hope that you have in Christ faster than politics. His ways are not our ways. His timing is all his own. He is either sovereign all the time or he is not sovereign at all. It cannot be both ways. He's, he can't just be part sovereign. He is fully, fully sovereign. It's always wonderful to meet someone who hasn't been a Christian that long compared to me, but is sold out to the Lord. Someone like me who has been a Christian for over 50 years can tend to be somewhat jaded and critical It's a constant battle to remind myself that God is fully in charge. I know that I am the type of personality that sees the glass as half empty, not half full. So God has to constantly work with me and I have to constantly submit that part of my life to him. So it really doesn't matter if the left continues to seem to have the upper hand or not, evil. It doesn't matter if they continue their corruption and downright evil practices. It doesn't matter if the conservatives on the right don't push back enough, ultimately letting the left evil have their way. God's goal in the here and now is to save people from hell. Many will continue to refuse to be saved, believing their way is better, but I need to help them seek their salvation. And people like Heather are focused on bringing the gospel to those who are in desperate need of it. And sometimes politics can be all-consuming. It separates people from one another. I've lost friends over aspects of it and over aspects of the COVID situation. It's a shame. Some of it was my fault, and I've tried to rectify things. In other cases, it wasn't my fault, and nothing I can do will bring us back together. I believe this is one of the purposes of the pandemic as well, to push people away from other people, to make people become more resident within themselves and separate from society. Now, above all things, there is hope in God and his ability to get through a person's thick skull, right? Helping them realize they need him and the only salvation that is available today through him. As this world seems to be circling the drain, and it is, it is still the Christian's job to spread the gospel, to make others aware of their need for him, because no one's good enough to get into God's presence on their own merit. If we were good enough, we would not need Christ. I'd like to thank Heather for her warmth, her sincerity, and her obvious desperate love of our Lord. She has helped me to focus on what is hopeful. Thanks so much for joining me today. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 